Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial Season 3, Episode 21. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. And I'm Laura. Great, great. Did <laughs> we it. We did it this time, guys. I was waiting for Matt to jump in and be like, um, I'm here, bitch. Well, that's now you fired him, so he's out of your way. He was a problem, and you hoped he would take you hoped I would take care of it. And I thought you were trying to influence me, but you didn't because of the way you worded it, so I got rid of him, and there was no collusion. <laughs> anyway, um, oh, speaking of that, Laura and I, just quick plug right here at the top of the show, we did an After Dark special after Comey's Big Day last week, so if you want to hear our thoughts on that, be sure to check them out over on Patreon. Oh, and we called Elisa, and we, and we got her thoughts as well. We surprised bitcher, bitched her. That was cute. Coming up on today's show, we'll talk about the sessions session oh boy and (laughs) to the best of our recollection we will try to remember what he said and we will react to it accordingly as the lord allows us to i was in los angeles last week and i I just couldn't couldn't stay away after moving away about a month ago and i went to pride tried to hang out with matt i wanted to see how fat he got because on last episode you know, he said he put on a lot of weight, so I was very curious. It was honestly the only reason I wanted to hang out with him. Um, and unfortunately, he couldn't make it. Oh, I wonder why. <laughs> so. Jeez, with friends like these. <laughs> yeah. I even prefaced my text message to him by saying, Hey, Matt, I want to hang out because I want to see how fat you've gotten. <laughs> and he said, uh, no. You know what I like about you, Andrew? You are... You are going to be the honest person at your high school reunion because these are all things that people want, right? They're like, I want to see how fat this bitch got. I want to see how much of a loser this <laughs> asshole is. And you'll just tell them that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You want some more honesty? My my 10-year anniversary high school reunion is this year. And guess mm-hmm. what? I'm not going to that yeah. shit. I don't fucking care about these people. <laughs> yeah, that's me too. Mine is like... In June, I think. And I'm like, fuck uh, now. I never want to see any yeah. of you people again. Yeah. I and I mean, that sounds... It sounds me, but it's also like with Facebook these days, you know what everybody's up mm-hmm. to. So you don't have to... But anyway, I was thinking of you, Laura, um, on Saturday night because... So West Hollywood is, is the heart of gay lands in Los Angeles and all the bars there, it's just gay, 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 very gay year round. And so, of course, for Pride, these bars are extra crowded. <laughs> it was a bit frustrating. But so I drank a lot. And as a responsible person, I decided to take an Uber ride home. 
And I get in and the this car. this made you think of me? Yeah. Well, hold on. I'm getting to it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of my story. I thought of you. No. Um, and it's one of these fucking Uber drivers who just can't leave me alone. I want to sit there in the back of the car and focus on not feeling sick. I just want to be left alone in my own head. And this guy wants to keep talking. Anyway, he ends up being just like our Uber driver in Atlanta a couple months oh, ago. Yeah. He's he he's just like this guy. He's an actor who's whoring out his Instagram and he makes me follow his Instagram right what? there in the car ride. Yeah. And then and then I'm like, yeah, man, I'm just I'm not here in LA anymore. I, I'm I'm so tired of it. It's like, oh man, what are you talking about? LA's the place to be. I'm like, yeah, okay. How long have you been here? He's like, oh man, two years. I'm like, okay, try nine and then tell me how you feel about it. <laughs> yep. And how many followers did he have on Instagram? Like 12? Well, to, well, to his uh, the Atlanta guy had like literally 12 followers. This guy had about <laughs> 2,000. So he had built up a bit of a following. Okay. Uh, but then he's talking to me on Instagram after the ride, like moments after I get out of the car. He fucking messages me through Instagram. He's like, hey, man, let's stay in touch. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <What>? Block. <laughs> yeah. Straight guy, by the way. Like he wasn't, this wasn't a sexual thing or anything but because i told him i told him about my website and guess what he says oh man you should feature me on your website (laughs) nah sure yeah okay (laughs) i hate la everybody's trying to whore themselves out this andrew this is how you get murdered one day (laughs) (laughs) anyway he got a four-star rating for bothering me My strategy as a driver was say hello. If they talk to you, talk back and continue the conversation. But if they're not talking to you, let them live. Let them be. I, I got to tell you, you're, you get five stars from me every fucking time. I hate the drivers that talk to you. I'm not here to learn about your life story. And I'm not yeah. interested in sharing my personal thoughts with you. And frankly, like... When so, when an, when an Uber driver starts talking to me, in most not all, but most Uber drivers are men. When an Uber driver starts talking to me, eight times out of ten, it's to hit on me or like say some fucked up weird sexual shit. So the minute they open their mouth beyond "Hi, how you doing?", I like clam up and I start to brace myself for like sexual assault. Not kidding. Like I've had so many bad experiences with Uber that I just. The best yeah. way to make me feel safe is to just not speak. Don't yeah. Speak. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine being a female passenger and riding with strangers in these Uber cars. Seriously. It's, uh, it's not fun. It's no bueno. Yeah. Well, I, I, Elisa had given me that advice about a year ago now, I think, about buying the pepper spray for when I was an Uber driver. Yeah. And I never had to use it. So at least there's that. Still, it's still in my car. Even though I quit, I still have it in my car in case, like, one of my friends or my dog annoys me. I could just pepper spray them. Anyway, Elisa, you have some news. <laughs> Did you just say so you can pepper spray your dog? Yeah. Well, you never know. Yeah. Okay. Might turn against me. <laughs> so yeah, I I so speaking of of pride, I know that June is um, Pride Month, and there's all these parades and what have you happening. And it reminded me that there's actually something pretty big in my personal life I have not told either of you yet. And I thought I would save it for live on air. Um, Should we be nervous? I'm scared. I'm really scared right now. 
<laughs> no, it's not even about me personally. So, um, God, I guess this was over a little over a month ago, actually. My little brother came out to me as being gay. <gasps> no. Yay! No yeah. way. Oh, my God. Yeah. What? Yeah. I'm so happy for him. I know. I am, too. Wow. I am, too. I'm, I'm wow. dead serious with you guys right now. I, and, you know, it was, it, was, it was a moment. It was a real moment because, you know, he, he knew intellectually, of course, that I, I'm the last person who's going to, to be judgmental about it. But it's still, I think, a nerve-wracking experience to have to talk about that, something so personal, you know, to, to family. Yeah. So Wow. Yeah, and, and it just, he, we, were, we were talking about other things, and in that context, you know, he just told me. He just said, yeah, and by the way, I feel like it's time that you knew I'm gay. And um, I wasn't really expecting him to say that. Then at that moment, I had some inclinations and some some ideas that maybe that was coming at some point, but I didn't expect it right then on the spot. Um, but I'm just you know, mo- most of it, his friends know, uh, my parents know, and I know, but it's not really he's not he's not he's not out in a way that like the whole world knows, you know, like extended family does not know, for example, mm-hmm. grandparents don't know. Um, but regardless, I'm still really happy for him because it's a huge, it's a huge thing just to come out to your immediate family, let alone anyone else. So Definitely. I'm, I was just, I, I don't know. I feel a sense of relief on his behalf that, that that's, that's out there. And, um, just think he's adorable. Yeah. You must've been over yeah. the moon. <laughs> Because you love the gays. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I do, but I do. I, you know, it, I don't know. I don't know. It was. I felt bad to be honest with you because uh, he told me that he's 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 known for a while. Obviously, he's twenty two years old. You know, he's he's known for a while, and we talked about it, and he just really hadn't. He he was. He said he was just nervous to tell me, and. That made me feel terrible because I felt like I hadn't been there for him, you know, like through through those tumultuous years while he's figuring it out and coming to terms with it and what have you. I, I feel like I just wasn't I wasn't there to be a support for him during during that time. So I actually got a little bit emotional and just felt just felt bad. I was like, I'm so sorry that like you went through all of that by yourself. And, mm. you know, I but. He was like, listen, well, as, as someone who has come out, I think you you shouldn't put any you shouldn't feel bad or put blame on yourself. Like, I, I, I can understand why you're feeling that way. But at the same time, it's like it's just a process that each person has to go through individually. And it, and it was such a big deal to him, because in my experience, the the closer you are to somebody, the harder it is to come out, no matter no matter how no matter how close you are, because it is such a big moment, no matter how supportive of gay people you are, it's it's still a big deal. Because what do you always hear about how big of a deal it, it is in most cases? Yeah. So, um, yeah, don't be hard on yourself. That's okay. all I would well, say. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, we've I've 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 tried to just reconcile that. I just felt guilt, but I've you know I've gotten over no, it. No, for the most, you for shouldn't. The, well, I don't know. I I've known your brother for almost as long as I've known you, and you and your brother have probably the closest sibling relationship that I've ever witnessed. Aww. So I cannot imagine based off of my interactions with the two of you as siblings, that that is the way that he looks at it. I think that what Andrew is saying is very true. It's just when, when somebody holds a place of, of that importance in your life, I think telling them any kind of major revelation about yourself would be hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. And, you know, the bottom line is I'm, I'm happy for him that, he can be more himself and more open mm-hmm. about it now. That's really the big takeaway. And um, I'm proud of him for, for who he is and for being who he is and, um, and, and being more open about it day by day by day is just gives me all the feels. He's adorable. Yeah, I'm so, yeah. I'm so proud of him too. <laughs> yeah. And now you can be supportive, you know, in an open environment now. So. Yeah. Definitely. That's good. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You can give them tips on anal if you want to. <laughs> yeah, that's a little weird to talk about between brother and sister, but I'm gonna. That's a I hard pass. <laughs> hard that's pass. Yeah. He said. I would love to never, ever talk about sex with my brother or sister. It hasn't happened yet, and I don't want that to change. <laughs> If they Maybe. ever come to me asking for advice, I'm going to be like, no, no, get away. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> we should have we should have an episode where we each bring like a member of our family on air and the rest of us have to make them very uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, that's Ew. no. I think it'd no. be fun. I would love to have Ryan on, for instance. Yeah, now, that would be pretty funny. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he can just replace me for an episode. You, you wouldn't even know it was him. You just think it was me. It's true. You guys do sound exactly alike. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know what this means, Elisa? You're going to have to carry on the, uh, the the family torch. It's up to you now. <laughs> it's Bloodline. funny. It's so funny you say <laughs> that. not true, though. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm kind of fucking. It, it's funny. No, but it's funny. You say, we, we actually talked about for a while when, when we had the conversation. And one of the things he said was hard to grapple with was this idea that the in traditional 18th century terms, you know, that I was like, <laughs> I had to be the one to like carry on like the bloodline and shit. And I was like, that's ridiculous. What the so fuck stupid. is this? This is a puritanical England. <sighs> no, it's not. It, yeah. I mean, I, I personally have thought about that from time to time. Like, I do want to have a child eventually, but... It'll be a probably an adoption situation, so I don't know. You just—it's just something that yeah, comes to I my mean, mind. Adoption not is not—it's not illegitimate. It's not any less legitimate than having a biological child. And mm-hmm. if having a biological child is something that is really meaningful to you, there are ways for you to do that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Exactly you want to uh, open? I up was going to say you want to come down here and we can make this happen. Wow, spread them. Let's christen your new place. <laughs> I will uh, well, carry your child, Andrew. Thank you. I want to get Mark on there, and I want I want to hear his permission as well. 
happening. I, I'm sure he'd be on board. I'm sure yeah. he'd be fine with it. Anyway, that's very exciting news, Elisa. And from a uh, producing standpoint, thank you for saving that for the show. <laughs> <laughs> we thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I called. Tr- I, I called my brother like an hour before uh, recording. And I asked him permission. I was like, "Is this cool with you?" And he was like, okay. "Yeah, totally. I'm actually kind of excited to see what they say about it." <laughs> <laughs> so I think he's going to listen back. Uh huh. Good. Good. Aww. Well, uh, we have a confessional that we're going to get to in a second. But first, I wanted to ask you guys, are you watching the new season of House of Cards? No. Yeah, I have C-SPAN on all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I finished it, but you didn't yet, right, Laura? No, I'm still about halfway through. Are you liking it? I am, actually. So here's, here's the thing. So the last season... I got a little bit impatient with because there was so much stuff that happened in that season that I was like, oh, come on. Like, I can't even suspend my disbelief for this. This would never happen, blah, blah, blah. And then we elected Trump. And I was like, okay, yeah, (laughs) this is America now. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm liking it so far. And I won't spoil, but there's multiple times this season where I feel like I'm watching what's actually happening in real life. Yep, it's painful. And, and the I haven't, I didn't adore this most rec- recent season from start to finish as much as I have previous seasons, but it does end very strong. The final three or four episodes, it, it really focuses in, and so I did end up liking it. But it, like at the point you're at right now, I was into it, but just not as much as previous seasons. Mm. So anyway... But uh, Lisa, you're not what you have I you watched have, previous seasons? I have. I've watched every season but this one. And honestly, I just don't know what the show is getting at anymore. I feel like it kind of lost its way last season. You know, it's it's, it's it started out being so edgy and exciting because you thought mm-hmm. that it was working its way towards some kind of grand crescendo, right? Like you were just mm-hmm. dying to see how all this, this, how this shit show unfolds and how it all topples. And I feel like they're dragging that out or either that or they just don't know where it's going. It just feels a little lost to me. Like, I'm not as excited by any of it anymore because it's sort of rambled on. The plot has just rambled on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the title of the show is indicative of the fact that something has to happen right right um and i'm like okay is the house of cards the underwood administration or is it the country i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i would say it's the administration you think Uh, yeah this is but this is we are five seasons in this is kind of what happens when these shows get stretched out Mm -hmm. we see it a lot in network tv you would think netflix would be a little less inclined to stretch shows out i mean they they canceled sense eight after two seasons people are freaking out about that because people love it i haven't watched it but people rave about it um yeah house of cards i think maybe at this point one or two more seasons after what happens at the end of this season mm-hmm. but yeah you're right we, we need to be working towards something and it it it, it, it kind of feels like we're going around in circles a little bit agreed yep all right. Just like the country. 
<laughs> yep, just circling the I, drain. I do love on House of Cards when they get real news personalities involved. Like yes. they got Rachel Maddow, they got some CNN people. They had they had um that Fire Today show news anchor mm-hmm. Anne Curry, yes. and I was just laughing because like laughing and also really sad because she has she's got nothing going on right now. She's a news anchor on a fucking fictional TV show, and that is so sad to me. <laughs> I guess I'm just sitting there thinking, like, remember when she used to be a real journalist? <laughs> I mean, she's probably making more money this way, to be honest. I guess, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Anyway, let's move on now to this confessional. You want to read it, Elisa? Yeah, so someone wrote in just yesterday uh, with a pretty unique situation. Uh, she writes, I'm 23 years old. Eight months ago, my boyfriend of three years ended our relationship, but I still live with his family because they love me and they let me stay when he left. Now, the ex and I are still on civil terms. It took me a while to get over him, but I did get there eventually. A few weeks ago, my ex-boyfriend's 19-year-old brother brought some of his friends home. One of his friends took interest in me. He added me on Facebook, some messages back and forth. One thing led to another. And now I'm in a very happy friends with benefits arrangement with this friend. So my question is this. I've only had two sexual partners in my life. My ex-boyfriend, whose family I still live with, and now my current friends with benefits. What words of advice would you suggest about maintaining this friends with benefits arrangement? Do you have thoughts or experience in this, uh, in this capacity? And are there any rules that should be followed, do's and don'ts? For what it's worth, he and I have already agreed to be upfront with one another if either of us comes down with feelings. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I would say just be aware of how much time you're spending together. Because, like, you know, maybe try to internally, like, you don't have to tell him this, but just tell yourself, I'm not going to spend more than, like, four to five hours a week with this person. I don't know what you're doing as friends. Like, are you going to the movies too? Or are you going to the mall? Like how, how friendly is this FWB? So I would just watch how much time you're spending. So it doesn't get closer. You don't get closer. I'm not a good person to offer advice here because I can't do friends with benefits relationships. I, it's just not something that's ever worked for me. In my experience, at least one party always comes down with feelings at some point. And for me personally, that has led to disaster of the friends with benefits relationship. But I think that they do work for a lot of people. And I think if you're happy and he's happy and your living situation is still comfortable, I don't see anything wrong with it. And I kind of like Andrew's idea of just making sure that you're limiting contact. If the idea is to avoid emotional investment, then maybe say like we have this night every week that's like our night to do whatever it is that we're going to do. But then all the other nights are free agent nights, right? Yeah. So that that's the only advice I feel like I can offer. And try not to stay exclusive to him. You've only had two, so two people, including him. So it sounds that's like what, you. Yeah, that's what I worry wisely. about a little. I worry about that a little bit. I mean, if if she's only had two 
two partners and she's still living with her ex-boyfriend's family, I worry that this situation is a lot more emotionally impactful than she's admitting to herself at the moment. I could be projecting, you know, because I'm pretty fucking emo. If I were in her shoes, I would probably be a lot more emotionally confused about than I would ever let on at the time. So maybe I'm just projecting that, but I don't know. I just, Mm -hmm. I feel like I guess just, you know, just be, just be, be be careful. And, and if you're gonna, if you're gonna keep, keep doing it, you have to really follow that rule about being upfront with one another. Don't wait until you're already madly in love to confess it. If you start feeling butterflies, if you get really excited to see them in like a romantic capacity, that's the time to be upfront. Not once you're like knee deep and you're planning out your future children's names. Like the minute you feel something mm-hmm. is when you say something. <laughs> and also yeah. I feel, I feel the need. I, I'm not sure. I'm just reading over this now and I'm actually not sure if this person specified their gender, but I feel yeah, like I regardless of that, in any kind of friends with benefits relationship, regardless of if it's heterosexual, homosexual, whatever, you need to be safe because neither of you is beholden to the other sexually. So just like you could very well go and have another friends with benefits situation on the side and be totally fine, so could they. So I would just say, be sure you're being safe. I don't personally encourage people to run around having unprotected sex unless they are in a stable, committed, monogamous relationship. So mm-hmm. it's just my health PSA. Wear a condom. I've had a uh, friends with benefits situation in recent months. And I, I think that the key is when you are hooking up that it is just fun. Like, I think you got to ask yourself, what, why do we enjoy doing this? Is it fun? Or are we like romantically have feelings for one another? And Laura, you were saying like it doesn't ever work out well for you. Um, I, I I think f- while you were thinking about that, I was just thinking about this one. And f- and for me, it's like it's just fun. That's it. Um. So yeah, and I also wonder if this person is. Are you having? Are you hooking up with this guy in your ex ex's parents' house? Because that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> God. Yeah, really and, really stick it to the ex. Be like, yeah. yeah, I'm boning your little brother's friend in your childhood bedroom. What of it? Yeah. And uh I I will just uh be honest and say I think that's really weird you're still living with <laughs> your ex's parents. But hey, if, if you get along with them, cool. I don't think it's weird. We are the boomerang generation. Oh, we all go back and live with our parents at some point. And we don't know. Perhaps these people are more. Maybe they are true parental figures in this person's life. Yeah. Just don't know. I think like, what does the ex think of this? Well, fuck the ex. Well, no, not the fuck the ex, because because it's his parents. <laughs> no, but see, I only care about our listeners. So well, fuck the ex. What happens if this if the ex becomes a listener? Now do we have to take his feelings into account? 
Yeah. And, and no. what if the ex is a listener and is a Patreon supporter? Oh, oh no. <laughs> Wait. Redact the tapes. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, scrub that from the record, please. I cannot recall. <laughs> Laura, you just said that. Oh, uh, no. No, I did not. I'm, a, I'm on the side of the ex, a, a loyal patron. A really right. good way to make sure that you and your ex stay on civil terms is if, with their permission, of course, you record your sexual intercourse and send it to your ex. Oh, I, I was ah. hoping you would say send it to us. <laughs> yeah. that, Just that, so we could play it on air. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, like, if, you know. You want to stay friends. That's a good way of, like, staying civil. Okay. Let's move on to some news now. Now, I, uh, there's been a lot of news lately, but we want to start with something that's kind of hidden from the headlines. So, why the fuck is nobody talking about healthcare? This is what I want to know. <laughs> I know that there's a lot of shit going on right now in the public eye we have. Trump and everything that he's doing. He's, he's tweeting 50 things a minute. There's been a lot of hearings lately, uh, a lot of news in general. But I feel very strongly that the country is not focused enough on repeal of Obamacare right now. And it's a dangerous situation, guys, because the, what is it called? The AHCA, whatever the fuck it was that passed the House of Representatives, is now is is now being pushed forward by Republicans in the Senate, and they're not giving us any insight into what the bill actually says. They're not talking about when it's going to be up for a vote or or anything. They're they're trying to move forward with repeal of Obamacare completely in secret. There's no transparency at all, and that should frighten everybody. I think because it it means that. When the bill is up for a vote, whenever that happens, whether it's next month or next year, we're not going to have a chance to fight it at that point. We're not going to know, you know, we're not going to have an opportunity to, to, to assess it or to fight it before they vote on it. So I just kind of feel like that, that healthcare is really being lost in the mix right now. And there's part of me that wonders if that wasn't the intention. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, if we, and we're going to talk about sessions in a little bit, but he effectively just contributed nothing to the, to the discussion today. He just diverted attention away from other things like healthcare that could have actually used some news coverage. I just, I find myself at a loss right now because I'm, you know, I call my senators all the fucking time. I, I think that they, must have me on caller ID at this point because I'm calling them every week to complain about something. And I'm just like, I don't know what else to do. I don't have this like huge disposable income where I can like go and sit in front of their offices and protest in person. You know what I mean? It's like, what do I do? What do people do who want to have some kind of substantive actionable uh, effect what are you talking about? I hear from Republicans all the time that liberals have no jobs and just have all this time to, to protest. <laughs> yes, that's true. Well, I guess, wh- so why are they hiding it? Is it because of of the CBO score? 
is it because that polling seems to indicate people would rather we just fix what we already have instead of repealing it completely? Of course. I don't. And also because of how unpopular this whole thing has been since the very beginning. They know that the second this gets any kind of serious coverage, people are going to start screaming again. That's what stopped it before. I agree with that. I agree with that. To be clear, no one knows anything about what's happening or what the bill will or will not contain. No one knows shit. And so it's I understand. kind of crazy. I, which is crazy, which I, which I understand from, you know, from the perspective of CNN and New York Times and whatever. It's hard to report on something that is that doesn't exist. You know, it's hard. It's hard to report on facts that you don't have. It's all. It's like trying to. Re- it's it's a, it's a vacuum. It's a fact vacuum. There's there's nothing there. Uh, we, we don't know. No, nobody knows like when it's going to happen or what's in it. And so I get that. But the problem is maybe that should be the story. Maybe the story should be that we don't know. Maybe there should mm. be questions as to why that's happening. And and I, I don't know. I just to me. To me, sometimes it's not the headlines that frighten me. It's the lack of headlines. When I go mm-hmm. to CNN or if, uh, .com or if I go to Washington Post or, or to Vox or to any of the other outlets and I don't see something, I start to wonder, what's going on with that? And then I start Googling around trying to figure it out on my own and I can't because there's nothing mm. there. And that scares me. And, and I feel like it should be scaring everyone. I think Laura's right, though. I think she's right to say that last time what stopped what stopped repeal of the Affordable Care Act was public outcry. There was a lot of it. But if you don't give the public an opportunity to, to cry out, then how, how do you lose? Right. You know? To reject certain elements. Right. So, so at what point are we going to have to see this or have to get information? Because surely at some point we're going to have to – information will have to be released into the public. At some point, I guess. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't know the rules and all of that well enough to know what is like legally mandated or anything. But I do know that there's precedent in the past for majority leaders in other Congresses in the past who've moved bills up for a vote and, it's, and you get 24 hours notice. 48 hours notice. We're talking a matter of, of a day or two. That's happened before. And, and they literally vote on them in the middle of the night, too. Right, exactly. It's, there's, there was, I can't remember what it was on, but there was some sort of like trade deal situation that was voted on back when, this is back when we had President Bush. It was voted on in the middle of the night, 2 o'clock in the morning, and they didn't even announce it un- until the same exact day. Um, and, and it was also shrouded in secrecy. And so that's kind of my fear is that something like that's going to happen with healthcare. And, and I don't know, don't know what to do about it, guys. Yeah. I think they're just banking on everybody being spread so thin due to all of the, you know, fucking Jeff Sessions and James Comey and Kofefe and all of this (laughs) other bullshit that Kofef, sorry. Or Kofifi. We can debate this later. Um, I, I think that they're genuinely, genuinely relying on people just being spread way too thin and getting yeah. 
getting burned out from paying so much attention that on this one crucial piece where everybody really does need to be paying attention, nobody says anything, and they pass it in the middle of the night. And suddenly, over the course of a decade, 24 million people lose their health care. Right. Right. All right. Well, I hate to move on from an important topic, but... But that's the problem. What else do we say about it? Because no one knows shit. So what else do you say? I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to pray. Just keep calling. That's all I can think of is like, just keep calling your senators every week and being consistent and telling them, I don't know when you're going to try and do this shit, but I know you're going to try and do it. (laughs) Also, you know what? Hold, hold hold, Hold your media outlets accountable, too. You can you can always call and write them and be like, hey, why haven't I seen anything on this? That that's what disturbs me. You know, it's sometimes yeah. you, everyone sort of expects everyone sort of expects, unfortunately, um, secrecy and you know, political tactics from all parties at all times. But what I don't expect is for is for media to take that kind of shit lying down and, and, and to fail to ask questions. They need to do yeah. a better job. Hey, I'm I'm always looking for a reason to call Anderson, so I will happily give him a call. Oh yeah. And see what he can do about this. Oh. On to some other news now. Bill Cosby is currently facing three counts of sexual assault for allegedly raping Andrea Constand in two thousand four. The jury is currently deliberating. It's been, it was a it was a quick little trial. Um, he so Cosby was initially going to take the stand, then he changed his mind. Then the defense lawyers only called one witness, and it, and the, the the he was they were only on the stand for literally three minutes. So it was really bizarre. Now the jury is deliberating. It is Tuesday night. We haven't heard anything yet, but they did deliberate. Monday night as well, so they're taking a little bit of time. Um, he's facing more than ten years in jail if, convic- if convicted of the sexual sexual assault charges. And this is just one woman. We remember a couple years ago when many many women came forward alleging sexual assault. So and and the prosecution is arguing that he had a pow- pattern of using powerful sedatives to incapacitate women before sexually assaulting them. And a lot of eyes on the story because Bill Cosby, he's he's a TV legend. We welcomed him into our homes. And he's a sexual predator, it seems. So. Yep. And we've got a lot of those out there. Um I find it I find it interesting that there is so much focus on the Cosby case when there are a number of well-known sexual predators, including um, the current president of the United States. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Who don't seem to get that much focus. Well, and, Bill Cosby's in court right now, so that's one reason. Yeah, but I mean, like, a month before he was elected president, Donald Trump had a tape leaked where he talked about grabbing women by the pussy. Yeah, but then don't you remember that big DNC leak that happened like 10 minutes later? So right, exactly. we all forgot about it. Right, right. But <laughs> it's just I've I've seen it. I've seen it posited by people that perhaps though Bill Cosby absolutely deserves to 
go to jail for this because what he did was heinous. I've seen people, you know, indicate that they believe that the additional media scrutiny on him has to do with race. Um, And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not well studied enough to know if that's the case. I truly have not paid enough attention to his trial to know if that's the case, but I feel like it's something that should be brought up because if you look at the fact that there are a number of well-known abusive, sexually violent men in Hollywood that don't get the kind of media attention that the Cosby case has gotten, I think I don't think it's an unfair point to bring up. I don't think it's an, I don't think it's an unfair thing to uh, I don't know to ponder. Or to to wonder, hey, I know, I wonder if this has anything to do with it. I do think it's unfair to jump to that conclusion because I, I really think that, in, in my opinion, I think that this has to do with with him being a famous figure, and more important than a famous figure, a figure who was who, whose entire image and entire career was sold on being wholesome. And so it's about it's about the juxtaposition of those two things. It's sort of like if if you found yeah. out Mr. Rogers was a sexual predator, right? That would make a lot of headlines because it's like Mr. Fucking Rogers. You're right. He's like he's like he's the, as good as they come. Right. He's like the embodiment of what it means to be an angel and a wholesome man who just loves people and has great wisdom and yeah. advice. That's that's sort of what Bill Cosby is too. His brand is a mr rogers type of brand and so i think it's just the juxtaposition of of what was sold to us versus what was reality and how stark of a contrast that was is very very jarring um i i guess so but i feel like johnny depp is another really good example johnny depp has spent the last 15 years of his career making disney movies that are geared towards young kids and we find out that he's <laughs> an abusive motherfucker and he but, continues getting movie deals. And yeah, yeah there was, there's been some outrage on the internet, but that's well, about it. <laughs> but no, but getting back to Elise's point, like Bill Cosby was the good family man. He was America's dad. Like I said, he, we, we welcomed him, him into our living rooms by way of television. Like, you trust him. Johnny Depp was a pirate. <laughs> he was a no-good pirate. Well, he also, still is a pirate. And also, pirate. Johnny Depp had, like, a decades-long <laughs> career before pirates where he was snorting cocaine off of hookers and stuff. I don't think that... Yeah. I think his image is very, is very different in that. My yeah. first experience with Johnny Depp outside of, like, Edward Scissorhands was the movie Blow. <laughs> literally the movie blow he's like snorting coke out of an ass crack so i think i think yeah. the images are a little different and again i'm not saying that it's impossible that race has something to do with it i think you know given america's history with race relations it's probably a safe bet that that's part of the equation somewhere um yeah. I, I just don't think that that is the only factor that makes this such a big case right uh, and so i'm not sure that you know I still think it's the only factor. Certainly, no, I agree with you. Certainly, I think it's fair points, to bring up. Yeah, no, I think the points that you've brought up are good. I just felt as as a panel of mostly white people, I didn't want to come have us coming across as like completely tone deaf 
and oh, no. ignore uh, this entire segment of the conversation that's happening. So I'll yeah. be honest with you. I hadn't even, this is, this is, and, and I recognize that this is coming from our place of privilege, but that didn't even cross my mind. Didn't even, occur, it didn't for me either. Didn't even occur to me. For me, it was 100% about famous figure plus dad figure. The wholesome image is what is so jarring. And, and you know, and also I hadn't even sh- heard that, that that point being brought up before. So I'm just probably not aware of the conversation going on there. And the sheer number. We're up to 60 women now. Yeah. I mean, uh, this was a lifelong God. pattern. Okay. Right, so I feel like say a lifelong passion, and I was like, <laughs> "Well, that Whoa. too." Unfortunately, Whoa. unfortunately, it does look like it was a passion of his. I do think that there's there's precedent for somebody. Somebody, I don't know. I also think too that there is. And that, listen, this is not like this is not like a tragedy Olympics. I'm not trying to say that one thing's better <laughs> or, or, or worse than the other, but I do think that that rape and sexual assault is unique in how particularly heinous and uh, volatile it is compared to other things such as just regular assault, for instance. Like whether it's a Chris Brown type or a Johnny Depp type, um, horrible, despicable men, both of them. Uh, But there's something that is a bit more of a gut punch about rape, I feel like. And, And... Particularly when it's 60 women feels just, I don't know, nauseating, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some other news now. Are you all tired of winning? Because I know I sure am. Actually, we kind of are winning. Trump lost another uh, and another travel ban ruling in the appeals courts. It's the second federal appeals court to rule against his travel ban, his revised travel ban. Um, they've, the administration has already sought a Supreme Court review of that other one from last month. So it's likely that this one's going to get caught up in the Supreme Court as well. Um, so this one came from the Ninth Circuit and they said the order does not offer a sufficient justification to suspend the entry of more than 180 million people on the basis of nationality. National security is not a talismanic inclination that, once invoked, can support any and all exercise of executive power. Incantation, they said in their ruling. Um, Of course, Trump tweeted about this as well. And he keeps calling it a travel ban. And his Twitter keeps getting him in trouble. They've referenced the tweets in his ruling, in their ruling. So, I guess this is going... (laughs) That is so... I just feel so good about that. Me too. I'm just so happy about that. I, <laughs> I, it almost makes having a buffoon in the White House, like, bearable. You know? Almost. That he can be stopped. That, that he can be stopped. And that there are consequences for his 3 a.m. actions. There are consequences yeah. for that shit. I, 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 nothing brings me greater joy than when any person, particularly the president, and particularly this president, is, are, they're held accountable for the words that come out of their mouth. With President Trump, we see so often 
them just trying to obfuscate what they've said and lie about what they've said. Oh, I never said that. As though they're, they're gaslighting the whole country, you know? And, and this is the court saying, no, you did say that. Yeah. I just, what a time to be alive where legal documents actually reference fucking tweets. Right. I just, I can't. Like, the president's own tweets. Right. And those tweets literally bring him down. (laughs) He shoots himself in the foot. (laughs) It just, it baffles me that any kind of Twitter interaction that you have with any elected official at this point is subject to being archived. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so presumably all of the angry bullshit tweets that we send to Donald Trump, you know, th- the last person who was like, you know, go off and, and fuck off and die. Mango Mussolini. Like that's going to be in an archive <laughs> somewhere that like somebody 200 years from now can read and be like, this is why the United States is no longer a country. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I love this that. This is why we stopped using the internet. <laughs> I love that future civilizations, like, you know, the Mayans left us gorgeous ruins. <laughs> the Egyptians left us pyramids and hieroglyphics and, you know, paper. The invention of paper and ink. And we will leave behind tweets. <laughs> Uh, and some really mean tweets at that. <laughs> oh, I know. Mm. I, and by the way, the White House, Sean Spicer did did confirm. You know, when Trump tweets, these are official statements from the president because he was asked that in a recent press briefing, and and they brought that up in their ruling as well. They said so. Not only are Trump's tweets from the president, they are official statements from the White House from the president. So you have to take them extremely seriously. Yeah, we can laugh it off. Yeah, some of Trump's people can say, oh, you know, it's just him on Twitter. It's just him on Twitter. These are statements from the president, whether they like it or not. So in other Trump news, Sessions was, uh, he did a public hearing in front of the Senate Intel Committee in regards to Russia and the meddling in, in our election. It was just a few days after Comey's. In my opinion, this was the Trump administration's way of striking back, of kind of moving some of the attention off of Comey, although the subject of a lot of it was Comey. Um, Sessions really just, there weren't any particularly large bombshells because he often fell back on, not to my recollection, I don't remember this occurring. He, he, He would never give a straight answer. He would never say no. That's not true, or, or that is false. He would just say, I can't remember. And so we didn't really get any particularly yeah. large things out of him. It was a particularly disappointing answer to the question of, do you remember rimming the Russian ambassador in the men's bathroom? Oh, uh, Not to my recollection, <laughs> Senator McCain. Did you watch a Diamondbacks game last night? <laughs> You sound Yeah, they asked like, him what his favorite sweet tea is and he couldn't he couldn't remember that either. Andrew, your impression of Sessions sounds like if he had a love child with Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling him before the show that it sounded like Matthew McConaughey a little bit too. Maybe that is. <laughs> I was practicing before the show. 
Maybe McConaughey is the love child of Jeff Sessions in Forrest Gump. Oh my god! <laughs> so I guess one of the bigger moments of the hearing was Sessions saying he had quote no recollection of meeting Russian ambassador Sergey Kislyak at the Mayflower Hotel in Washington D.C., but he stopped short of denying it. And the reason that was a big deal was because that was apparently one of the things Comey revealed in the closed session last Thursday. And it leaked because everything fucking leaks these days. Mm -hmm. So there may have been this third meeting and Sessions is saying he doesn't remember it if it happened or not. So like it could have, but he doesn't remember. And if it does come out, if we do get a photo of them talking, guess what he'll say? Uh, My my memory slipped. I I couldn't remember that. But yeah, it looks like it did happen. (laughs) So you know, it's it isn't Sessions. Isn't the rumor that his head is on the chopping block anyway? Like, is he going to be the next sacrificial lamb of the Trump administration? I feel like I remember hearing that he had offered to resign last week or a couple of weeks ago. Well, you see, Laura, what happened was when I decided to recuse myself from the Russian investigation, Mister Trump was very upset that I had done that because I hadn't run it by him. So we've been at odds ever since. We've been we've been button heads. Yep. That's that's true though. That's actually what happened. Right, right. I believe I believe you. Yeah. Yeah, so, I do remember that. Y- you and Mr. Trump are getting ready to go out back and have a duel, I aren't think you? Next time Andrew should just sit in for Jeff Sessions. <laughs> <laughs> Senator Sa- I'm a Southern Bell. I'm a I pay a lot of money to see Andrew like at a hearing, try, <laughs> trying to justify shit. I'll just stick in his my impression voice. Just stick my ears out a little bit and give a little smirk every time I have to avoid a question. Because, <laughs> oh <my gosh>. oopsies. <laughs> I mean, Andrew, all you have to do is just spew out word salad. Do we have a clip? <laughs> Didn't we have a clip from some shit that he said that just made absolutely no sense? Well, here's him getting angry. This is the one part where he lost his southern politeness. Let's listen to this. Respectfully, you're not answering the question. Well, what is the question? The question is, (laughs) Mr. Comey said that there were matters with respect to the recusal that were problematic and he couldn't talk about them. What are they? Why don't you tell me? They are none, Senator Wyden. There are none. I can tell you that for absolute certainty. We can we you tell this is a secret innuendo being leaked out there about me and I don't appreciate it. And I've tried to give my best and truthful answers to any committee I've appeared before. And it's really uh, 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 people are suggesting through innuendo uh, that I have been not honest about matters. And I've tried to be honest. This was in regards to what we were just talking about, that that meeting with Kislyak at the Mayflower. Oh, my stars. You just got so heated. I'm getting the vapors. I say, I say, how dare you call me a liar? I'm an honest Southern belle. (laughs) Who's just a little forgetful. (laughs) Man. You need to move on. Andrew's having too much fun doing this accent. All right, all right, all right. right. Let's move on. All right, all right, all right. I love Buick cars. What's the what, Chrysler Buick? One of those cars do those commercials. 
Anyway, let's talk about what's happening over in the UK. Chip, chip. All right, governor. Uh, So the UK had their own kind of political upheaval this past week. Guys might have heard that Prime Minister Theresa May, who's the head of the Conservative Party, decided to hold a snap election. So elections over there are only mandated every five years, and they were three years away from the next election. But she decided to call one early because she's getting ready to head into Brexit negotiations with the European Union. And she thought that if she had another election where everyone votes for her and her party, more more likely, if everyone votes for her party, that it would give her stronger negotiating power, a better negotiating position with the rest of the European Union. Because then, then she could say, look, I have a mandate from the people. This is clearly what they still want. And it's incumbent upon you to sort of negotiate with us. But it really backfired. Uh, she actually got fewer votes uh, than, than they expected. So the conservatives were, were supposed to sweep this. They were supposed to take over parliament. Um, polls only two and a half weeks out from the election showed them sweeping it by about 70 points. And not only did they not sweep it, but they actually lost their majority. They had a majority in Parliament, and now they don't. So what happens there, since they have more than just two political parties, um, no political party got a, a clear a clear majority in Parliament. So that's what they call a hung Parliament, where it's just completely fucking divided. Um, this is the opposite of what everyone thought was going to happen, especially Theresa May. She really done fucked up here. Now she's in a worse negotiating position. <laughs> she has less power. It's very clear to the European Union now that nobody in her own country particularly likes her or her party, and so they're less inclined to work with her. So I just thought this was worth mentioning, number one. Um, number two, I think it really sort of bears to mind our own election and how polls completely got shit wrong. And more importantly, I kind of want to ask, what does this mean for, for the conservative shift that we've been seeing? So in, in Europe and in our own country, we've seen this, this massive shift towards right wing parties, right wing uh, political figures. And this was a little bit of a pushback on that. I feel like. Yeah, particularly from young voters, right? I mean, they, they saw an unexpected amount of young people coming out and voting in Britain. And my hope is that uh, that those of us on this side of the pond are going to get the message come next year. Um, or for those of you living in the Georgia 6th Congressional District on June 20th, PSA reminder, um, my hope is that the Western world has had like a year, year and a half of this crazy shit and been like, yeah, so about that thing, um, mistakes were made and let's not. Yeah. So between 66.4 and 72% of 18 to 24 year olds voted in this election. That's By huge. comparison, exactly. Especially when you compare it to the 2015 election, it was 43% of voters in the same age range. So at, at least the 20% uptick, which, and can you imagine if 
72 percent of 18 to 24 year olds voted in america oh it'd be it would amazing be incredible it would be a landslide yeah so maybe the the younger kids were like fuck this we don't like brexit and we should have voted <laughs> during yep. the Brexit vote. <laughs> so we're going to vote now. And hopefully um, in 2018 hmm. and 2020, younger Americans decide to vote and to also not bitch out with third party votes. Stop doing that shit. This is how we lose. Yeah. Theresa May had said in a tweet prior to the election that if she lost five votes, if she lost five seats, it would be devastating. She <laughs> lost 12. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa, maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> that's, that's great. I, that I, I feel like that should Too go true. on her, on her tombstone slash money. Or something. Teresa, maybe <laughs> not. Yeah. But really, nobody wins from this because they, they still have to Brexit. Right. It's not like they can't now. She already signed the, the article of intent or whatever it is. So now they've got less than two years to make it happen. And it's going to be messy. But yeah, at least it, it is going to be messy. But also, from what I understand, when you have a hung parliament like this, you're basically forced into forming a coalition. Yeah. And apparently the conservatives can't find anybody who wants to uh, coalesce That's with them. They were, last I heard, they were talking about wanting to try and get like the Northern Ireland extreme conservative party, which apparently according to Northern Ireland's, I don't know if it's their constitution or just, or some other kind of law, but I don't think they're really? actually Really? I didn't hear that, that part. I think as part of the negotiations for Northern Ireland becoming part of Britain, English parties are not actually allowed to form coalitions with Northern Irish parties. I could be wrong on that, but I seem to recall reading something about that. Yeah, so it's going to be super messy. Well, in the Northern Irish Party, whether they do or don't align, uh, is is would be a bad choice because, well, from my perspective anyway, because what I under what little I do understand about them is that they're incredibly, um, what's the word, bigoted. Apparently, they're they're pretty overtly racist, very very homophobic, um, and have a history of just being uh, sort of obstructionist. And trying to cast down anything and everything that isn't sort of like white puritanical society. Oh, they're Republicans. <laughs> cool. Oh, God. <laughs> Republicans with an accent, at least. I mean, you know, at least it's a cool <laughs> accent. At least they what sound are you smart talking about? over there. Jeff Sessions has an accent. I, I do have an accent. I do declare. Miss, Miss Alisa. Donald Trump was supposed to go over to England for a state visit over the summer, I believe it was. But between this, which doesn't really look good on him because he's been cozying up to May, and his dumbass tweets about the London terror attack, 
attacking the mayor. He was attacking the mayor on Twitter multiple times and using out-of-context remarks to make an argument. It was just so beyond stupid. Um, They're rethinking that now. And good, because the country does not like him. England hates him. The world hates him. Everybody's laughing at us. Ah, ha, ha, stupid America. Well, we agree. It's time to surprise bitch somebody. They can help us sort through this this mess of a week. We are going to call Laura. Laura? Yes? Surprise bitch is playing Lent, yo. What up, girl? I knew from the second you said Laura, I knew it was you. (laughs) Probably because you hear me say Laura a lot on the show. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. How's it going down there in Miami? It's good. I'm actually in Orlando right now, visiting my boyfriend. Ooh. Long distancing between Miami and Orlando. What is that, like two hours? It's like three and a half hours. It's not too bad. Okay. How How often do you do that? Um, like at least twice a month. Okay. I'm actually, I just graduated like a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yes. I am looking, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm looking for work up here. So I can move up here and then hopefully, uh, go to grad school at UCF. So awesome. That's the plan. Yeah. Well, you can work at the wizarding world and pour butterbeer for excited Harry Potter fans. <laughs> I Universal won't take me back. I worked there before, and um, I didn't quit. Like I just left. I never came back. Wow! So they, oh what a <laughs> badass! <laughs> badass! I love it. I it was like my second job in college, and I I didn't know how to quit properly, so I was just like, okay. <laughs> so, so you just ran away. That's good. Good for you. Yeah, pretty much. Good for you. So, what are your career aspirations now? What kind of uh, field are you looking to work in? So I want to work in higher education administration. Sweet. So, yeah, that's what I'm looking to get my master's in. I'm working at a university right now um, in Miami. So, Do you like it? Like, I hear it's uh, a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, no, it's nice. Like, I really, um, I really want to work in, like, student affairs, student activities, like that type of thing, and, like, plan events and stuff like that. So it's fun. It's the fun side. Cool. It's not like the you know, the super like crunching numbers side or anything like that. Okay, good. How long have you and your boyfriend been together? Uh, it's been three and a half years now. Nice, nice. Yeah, keep, keep it long distance for as long as possible. Don't move in or anything. Take it from me. <laughs> God. Wow, Andrew. Just, oh. Don't listen to him. He's just fucking salty. What? I'm offering some good advice. What, are you thinking of moving in together? I um, yeah. Mm. I mean... When I, when I move up here, I I just kind of don't see any, like a reason not to because we've been long distance for so long. I feel like by the time we're finally in the same city, we just kind of like want to move in together. Yeah. But all right, also I don't three know. and a half I'm, years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, exactly. yeah, okay, all right. Well, look, I of course I hope it works we'll out. I'm just I'm just saying. <laughs> I've had two. I'll keep that in mind. I'm just giving some advice, okay? <laughs> Sorry. Hey, I'm gonna. You're just not. You're not a romantic, Andrew. You should not offer advice here. I'm gonna ask you a question. And I swear it's going to make sense once you actually listen to the episode. If you, okay, if you broke, God forbid, you broke up with your boyfriend, but you were really close to his parents. And for whatever reason, like they were willing to take you in, would you live with your ex-boyfriend's parents? 
No. Okay. See, I don't think it's a good <laughs> yeah, idea either. I can't, <laughs> I, I can't even imagine that because I'm not, like, I don't have a relationship with his parents. Oh, okay. Not that we have a bad relationship, but, like, I just can't imagine, like, yeah, living with them even now. Like, yeah. if we both moved in with them, it would be kind of weird. Oh, so. Okay. Okay, yeah, and if you're not close, yeah. then that that definitely makes sense. Maybe you right. should get close, just in case, you know, like a backup plan. Because <laughs> it has happened. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I need somewhere to go. Yep, just, make like, them my love parents. you more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> two times a month hanging out, two times a month, that seems like just right. That's like, you got two weeks in between each hangout, it's enough time to start missing them, the sex stays good, all that. <laughs> Good for you. I think you've got this worked out. I think you should stay in Miami. I'm being terrible right now. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't want to stay in Miami. It's okay. (laughs) She finally, Laura finally gets a chance to talk to us, and I'm just putting, making her rethink all of her big life decisions recently. Yeah, you're like shitting all over (laughs) serious relationships. My God. What is, we haven't asked this question in a while. What is like a hot topic down in Miami where you live, whether it's politically or. Like maybe entertainment wise or just locally. Um, hmm. I guess politically, uh, immigration and like relations with Cuba are always two big ones. I myself, I come from a half Cuban, half American family, so my cool. family has a lot of mixed feelings about uh, the whole, you know, opening relations with Cuba again and all of that. So that's always something I'm hearing a lot about. What do you think? Well, I did hear. Yeah, I was just going to ask what you thought because I heard that that President Trump is considering reversing Obama's open door policy. Really, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, uh, he 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 hasn't announced it officially yet, but there are, there are rumors swirling, and uh, curious what you think about that. I don't know because. Um, I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time, uh, you know, deciding what my stance on it is since I'm, I, I'm not from Cuba myself and I'm pretty Americanized. So I hate to like speak on behalf of like my grandparents and people that are, that were actually exiled from Cuba. Um, since I can't really speak to their sure. experience, but I'm, I don't know. It's my inclination to say that if Trump closes it back up, I feel like that's just taking a step backwards. Whereas at least having open relations with Cuba is taking some kind of step forward. Um, I think that the only thing is that people need to be smarter when they go over there. Because I see a lot of people going over there for vacation and stuff. But um, I feel like people don't realize that the tourism, like the business that they're giving with their tourism is not going to the people who really need it in Cuba. Like it's not going to the locals, the people who are still living in poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I feel like I wish there was more education on what's going on over there. Yeah. That's interesting. It's a fair point. Yeah. I actually know somebody yeah. who went to Cuba a couple months ago and, and he absolutely loved it because it was like stepping back in time. It's like going back into the fifties. Oh yeah. The cars, the architecture, sure. the technology, you can't, there's no credit cards there. There's, it's hard to get food. Right. It, like everything is different, but he he and and this is a I'm talking about uh, Kevin, ladies, and and he you know he's a he's a diva, yeah, he needs nice things, but he was just he was just obsessed with how different it was over there. So, but you know, all of his money didn't go to the right people, I'm sure. <laughs> so, right, I, I mean, 
yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I I just speak from my pretty limited knowledge and just what I've heard like from my grandmother and yeah. stuff like that. Well, that sounds like you have a fair point. Since uh, hey, you seem you seem like a uh, good listener. Got a good uh, phone connection going on right now. Let's let's have you play our number game with us. So I'm gonna ask the three of you. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna ask the three of you. Nearly fifty percent of the two billion raised on GoFundMe in between 2016 and 2017 went to what? Nearly fifty percent. I'm gonna say health and medical related expenses. Yeah, I was actually gonna say that too. Um that that was gonna be my guess, but just to spice things up, I will say I'll say student loans. Obamacare is it? Oh, sorry, love auto playing videos. <laughs> Obamacare. Trump's guessing it's um, a, it went to Obamacare. <laughs> Obamacare. Um, kind of in the same vein as what Laura said, um, but to be I guess more specific, probably aid to victims of mass shootings or terrorist mm. attacks. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. That's a good choice. Uh, Laura's got to stick together, man. <laughs> uh, no, well, it, you guys, you, you two, the two Lauras are right. It is healthcare. A billion dollars was raised for people to take care of themselves on GoFundMe because our own healthcare system is so fucked. I mean, how messed up is that? No, Andrew, because we have the best healthcare in the world. Oh, I see. That's why. <laughs> but yeah, when you think about it, whenever I see GoFundMe's, it's almost always for somebody who was seriously hurt, got unexpectedly yeah. sick. And or sometimes it's like people's pets. Yeah. That need, yeah. need treatment or it's, something. It's sad to see. It's sad to see people asking, having to ask for help like that because they can't get help elsewhere. So yeah. yeah, I thought that was a very surprising statistic. In a way... GoFundMe is one of our healthcare systems here in America. Sad. Right. <laughs> All right, Laura. Well, thank you for answering and thank you for your support. Good luck there in Orlando. Yeah. Are, thank you, guys. Are you like banned from Universal since you betrayed them? No. <laughs> no. No, I, I have an annual pass. Oh, you no. do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so funny to me. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is funny. <laughs> Have you been to their new th- water park yet, Cabana Bay? No, because um, to upgrade my pass, I have to pay like the full price of. I forget exactly how it works. It's something ridiculous. Like I have to pay the full price of like renewing my annual pass, but then it's only going to last until September, which is oh. when my pass runs out, and then I would have to pay again. So yeah, it, yeah, I'll just Screw wait. That. Yeah, just hang out at the later. Wizarding World. Uh, so, yeah. I, I, reason I mentioned that water park, it's actually super. Well, it, on paper, it was super cool. There are no lines; they're all virtual lines. You go up to a ride, you 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 get this you get this watch when you enter the park. You go up to the entrance of the ride, you you tap the watch, and it puts you in a virtual queue. The problem is, you can only get in a virtual queue for one ride at a time. And now, people, they Universal did the math wrong when they were planning this park. You you have to wait a good four or five hours to ride one fucking ride, and the, all yeah. else, the only thing you can do to kill the time is tan, hang out in the wave pool, or go in the lazy river. So it's like, what the hell am I going to this park for if I can only ride one or two slides the whole day? 
And yeah, uh, I had I, heard about that. I just saw yesterday the reviews of the water park. Universal's brand new water park are at like two, two and a half stars on average on Yelp and TripAdvisor and all these others. I mean, how embarrassing to open a new theme park and it gets panned so badly. Yeah, really. <laughs> so hopefully they make some changes. I don't know. Yeah. Yep, they do. Anyway, thanks again, Laura. And uh, we'll yeah, talk to you later. Yeah, thank you guys for calling. Nope, no Alrighty. problem. Good luck with Have the relationship. Have a good night. Remember thank my you. advice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. I will. Bye, girl. Bye. Bye. I hope nobody takes my feedback too seriously. I, I just like hearing about people's lives. I really hope that nobody takes your advice. <laughs> ever? <laughs> ever? Like any advice ever? Nope. <laughs> it's all null and void. I guess I shouldn't have a child. Well, that concludes this week's episode of Millennial. What are we doing on After Dark today, Elisa? So there's a famous psychologist named Arthur Aaron, and he came up with a list of 36 questions that he says lead to love. So I think we're going to ask, we're going to ask each other these questions because I think we could use a little love on this podcast. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see okay. whether or not they actually make us open up if we learn anything new about each other because we already know so much. Some of the questions are more basic, but others get pretty fucking personal. So I'll see how much I can embarrass you guys. I'm really yeah. scared. <laughs> uh, these questions are really interesting. I would love I to sit down with somebody and try all this. I know. <laughs> yeah, there like there were questions in here that I just never even thought to ask another human being. So I'm really excited to ask you. Well, guys. that's sort of the whole idea of it, I think, is that it's the people kind of shit on it, you know, 36 questions and, and you love someone that's bullshit. And like, yeah, I guess if you take it literally, but the idea is that the questions create moments of vulnerability where you have to be really fucking open and, and that's scary. And usually that's the kind, those are the kinds of moments <laughs> that, that leads you to connect with somebody. Yep. Yeah. So we're also going to be falling in love with all of you at oh, home. God. Who listened to After Dark? Get ready. <laughs> Sounds good. Please uh, check out our website. And you know what? I'm going to make a different request this week. Brace yourselves. Please review us on iTunes. We would love some fresh reviews <laughs> reviews on iTunes. It's been a while <laughs> since we've done that. And it's been a while since we've gotten a review. Or wherever you listen to the podcast. If there's a review section, we would appreciate you writing a little thing about us. Be as honest as you want. Yeah. They offer terrible advice. Our closing song this week goes out to... Senator Jeff Sessions, former Senator Jeff Sessions of Alabama. We think you'll be back in your home state real soon. I'm Andrew. I'm Melissa. And I'm Laura. Goodbye, everybody. I do declare. (laughs) Pull up some sweet tea in a rocking chair. Jamming out to this on my FM radio.